0: This is Ringler Radio, where you get all the latest news and information about the structured settlement industry from the experts in the know. Ringler Associates, quite simply, the undisputed leader in structured settlements for more than 30 years, and the only broker you need. Now join Ringler Radio host Larry Cohen for today's program.
1: Welcome to Ringler Radio. I'm Larry Cohen, head of Ringler Associates New England Operations, and we're glad you could join us again today. Ringler Radio, as you know, brings you all the important news and information in the settlement industry, and our topics really run the gamut addressing issues important to the insurance community, trial attorneys, defense attorneys, and their clients. You can find all the Ringler Radio shows on our website at ringlerassociates.com or the Legal Talk Network at legaltalknetwork.com. Our topic today is a very interesting one. It's called adjusting to life after your accident. You know, all of us who are part of the settlement industry tend to become so wrapped up in the logistics of the controversies we're trying to settle that we often lose sight of the real-life difficulties and coping realities of the severely injured plaintiff. And it's vital that plaintiff attorneys and settlement brokers understand those issues to better help the plaintiff and their families. So we're very fortunate today to have as our guest... Nancy Starnes, who is the Vice President and Chief of Staff for the National Organization on Disability. Nancy develops NOD's national outreach programs that focus on the community participation gaps experienced by people with disabilities. Nancy has a degree in business administration from the University of Texas and spent 15 years in private industry prior to involvement with disability issues. And, Nancy, I want to thank you very much for joining us today, and I just want to say, Hook'em horns.
2: Oh, thanks a lot, Larry. I always appreciate meeting another Texan.
1: Well, I'm not a Texan, but I have a good friend who is, and he's so happy about uh, what they're doing in football right now.
2: That works for me.
1: You know, Nancy, your credibility and knowledge in this area has really its own tragic roots. And do you mind sharing with us your personal experience with your own accident and your own disability?
2: Oh, I'm glad to do that. I talk about it a lot, and I've been a wheelchair user since 1973, 74. Mm -hmm. So uh, it's not like it's new. And um, I think part of the uh, problem with dealing in disability issues is that there's a bit of a mystique around it. And uh, so the more that uh, people uh, like myself who are willing to get out and talk about their own personal experience, I think it only helps to add to the body of knowledge. Um, I was involved in an airplane crash. Mm and uh it was uh, it was a, a private plane it wasn't uh, uh one of the large commercial airliners but uh it certainly gave me an a, a close up experience of what it's like uh to go down in a plane um all of the things that race through your head and and the prospects um for your recuperation following uh, that's a serious type of accident like that um uh, i spent um 9 months in a hospital setting uh, just recuperating, and uh, the expectations were pretty darn low. When I left the hospital, they pretty much turned me over to my husband and suggested that he take me home and take good care of me. Hmm. Um, I had different ideas. I had a different um, a different uh, outcome in mind for myself. I was still uh, a wife and mother. I still had a career uh, that lay in front of me, and I expected to realize all of uh the expectations, hopes, and dreams that other Americans do for a a life that's uh, fulfilling and satisfying.
1: Well, that's amazing and and very encouraging. You know, there are so many important issues uh, for for us to discuss here today. I know we're going to get into quite a few, but maybe at first, why don't you shed some light on the stages of recovery and adjustment for a person who has experienced a tragic accident, and you're certainly going to be speaking from your own experience, but I, I know you deal with many, many others.
2: Sure. Um, it, it, it varies. It's, it's highly individualized in my particular case and in many people. Uh, when an injury is sudden and traumatic, uh, when it happens at the early stages of your life, and I was in my oh, late 20s when this happened, um, it's it, you don't plan for it <laughs> when you're that young. Um, so it's like ex- initially like experiencing a death within your own body. I mean, there's a grieving process that you go through, um, and then you are dealing with a lot of uh, issues around uh, functional losses. Um, what what can you and can you not do? Uh, what do you want to try to tackle? Uh, psychologically, are you prepared for people to begin treating you differently because you have a disability? Mm-hmm. Um, what are the social adjustments you're going to need to make, and, and what kind of expectations should an individual have in terms of employment and um, making contributions to their community. So people go through lots of stages along that, that path, and then hopefully where people end up is a place where you're, you're comfortable with your limitations, you understand uh, that you still have strengths and weaknesses, and that uh, there's still a, a place in society for you to contribute to your, your community and your nation.
1: Well, you know absolutely, but many, many people with disabilities really have a problem coping with this concept of what I call independence uh, It's become a very important goal, and it's both physical and psychological i'm sure but how do you how do you cope with the the issue of being independent and not depending on everyone for your for your every every need?
2: It's a major issue um in working with uh, case management uh, for people with all different types of disabilities. Um, I found that, uh, this was in county government, I found that um, the women, for some reason, tend to be a little more resilient than young men. Uh, when young men are, are injured or uh, suffer a dramatic physical loss, um, they tended to um, resort more to um, substance abuse problems. Um, they had more depression. Uh, some of the women seemed to just say, you know, I've got a." I've got things to do and I've got to get up and figure out how I'm going to do them. Um, There's also a difference between disability that occurs to someone who's very young and someone who is um, in their senior years where some of those functional losses, at least you think about them a little bit more, not as much of a shock. um, But the approach to disability is very different based on age, gender, uh, sometimes cultural approaches to disability can can make a big difference, and independence plays into every one of those. Mm.
1: You know, there are a lot of statistics around this whole issue of uh, disabilities and how people encounter it, and, and, and those statistics, I think, tell a good story. Why don't you tell us a little bit about some of those specific statistics that, that really tell the story in the area of disability?
2: Mm. Well, the National Organization on Disability um, has been tracking um, the statistical experience of people with disabilities versus those without disabilities since 1986. So we've developed some trend-line data that uh, I think is quite telling. Uh, For instance, um, in employment, Mm -hmm. uh, for people who are in their prime working years, um, we find that uh, only 34% of people with disabilities were employed in 1986, and today only 35% are. So, the vast majority of uh, people with disabilities are ready, willing, and able to work, but we still can't find jobs. Mm-hmm. And because of that, household income is dramatically affected. Um, uh, 26% of people with disabilities have a household income at um, $15,000 or less, so they're down at the poverty level. Mm. Uh, their education from high school tends to be uh, lower than others. Uh, They don't get uh, the same health care. They may need health care, but they don't necessarily get it. Um, As frequently as people without disabilities, uh, one-third of the people with disabilities say that they are transportation disadvantaged. Um, It goes on and on. That relates to socializing, Mm -hmm. um, attending um, religious services, and even political participation.
1: Hmm. Would you also uh, you know, agree or assume that, you know, this is what I assumed always, that marital breakups also take place uh, a little more frequently when you have a, one of the partners who's got se- se- severe disabilities? Is that, is that true?
2: That's that's an interesting statistic. When, when it's the um, man in the family who has a disability, their non-disabled female partners tend to stay with them more frequently than if it's the woman who experiences a disability.
1: Why doesn't that surprise me? <laughs>
2: <laughs> well, again, I think women are are, are naturally caregivers. Mm-hmm. Uh, they adopt that role much more readily, um, and they're, they're fairly flexible in terms of um, uh, all of the, the multiple dynamics that make up a, an intimate relationship.
1: Mm-hmm. What about the total satisfaction with life? I know there are there some... Uh, some studies out there that show that you know obviously the satisfaction with life is a big is a big element of uh, somebody's overall enjoyment and uh, that that feeling of a disabled person versus a, a person without those disabilities I'm sure varies greatly
2: it does, and all of these statistics that I was quoting earlier kind of play into that life satisfaction. Um, only 34% of people with disabilities feel that they that their life is satisfying. So, um, it's not really surprising that, with all of the struggles with the continuing unfortunate um, discrimination that sometimes, uh, sadly, does occur, that uh, people with disabilities feel kind of shut out of society. And of course, they're not going to be happy.
1: Well. You know, these are some of the realities that I think we all uh, need to to be very, very cognizant of as we deal daily with the cases that we all do. Uh, We all, all, uh, every day, uh, Nancy, deal with cases uh, with unfortunate uh, folks who have been uh, severely disabled, and uh, we need to stay on top of uh, some of these issues and statistics to keep us uh, focused. So let's take a short break before we continue our discussion with Nancy, and uh, we'll talk a little bit later about what she's been doing and and what kind of positive applications she can have for all of our lives. Thanks.
0: This is Ringler Radio, internet radio from Ringler Associates, quite simply the undisputed leader in structured settlements for more than 30 years. Since 1975, Ringler Associates has provided the finest structured settlement services to injured parties and their attorneys. Experience counts. Over 130,000 cases structured. We invite you to listen to our other shows on the Legal Talk Network and become a member. It's free at www.legaltalknetwork.com. Did you know you can download Ringler Radio and any Legal Talk Network show to your iPod? Just go to iTunes and subscribe to the Legal Talk Network. It's free.
1: Welcome back to Ringler Radio. and glad you joined us. We're talking today with a very inspirational woman, Nancy Starnes from uh, the National Organization on Disability. I think you call it Nod, don't you, Nancy?
2: Well, actually, we don't. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> the, the, our founder, Alan Reich, uh, who just... Uh, few weeks ago passed away, was insisting that uh, not only do we refer to it as a National Organization on Disability, but if we use the letters N-O-D, that there's a period after each of those. <laughs> yeah, it,
1: it does have an interesting connotation. It
2: does. Yeah.
1: Well, I want to quote an important phrase from uh, your group's mantra, really, it's, mm-hmm. and it's in quotes. It says, it's ability, not disability that counts. And uh, so why don't you tell us some more about the National Organization on Disability What are its priorities, its outreach? Uh, Let's uh, give our audience some uh, perspective.
2: Well, I'd I'd like to do that a lot. It's amazing how many people still don't know about NOD, despite the fact that it was founded in 1982. Uh, We were founded as an outgrowth of the UN uh, International Year of Disabled Persons uh, in 1981. Mm -hmm. And it was so highly successful that uh, our founder, Alan Reich, decided to continue it as a private nonprofit organization. So we have more than two decades under our belt. promoting the uh, participation, the equal participation of people with disabilities in community life. Um, And there are about uh, ten key aspects that we do track through our Harris surveys to see how um, the nation at at large is doing in uh, making sure that we tap into the economic, uh, cultural, and, uh, and social vitality that people with disabilities are wanting to contribute to the communities where they live, learn, work, and play. So, um, NOD has a number of programs, and I invite people to go to our website at nod.org to find out what those are. But it's everything from um, internship programs for youth, disadvantaged youth with disabilities, uh, to employability, to emergency preparedness, um, faith based uh, communities. Um, just making sure that uh, there isn't a single stone unturned, a single person out there that doesn't have an opportunity to partner with us and uh, make life better for everyone. And when you do that, we actually have a stronger America.
1: Well, you know, one of the purposes of this program is to you know spread the word a little bit more on uh, the NOD because, you know, many of us in the cases we handle uh, – have an ability to introduce some of these clients and, and attorneys to the organization who, know, who may not know about it, sure. and that will be very helpful to them as they get to know your organization. But, you know, before we go, uh, you know, your founder, Alan Reich recently passed away, and he was a friend of the structured settlement industry and, and was a big proponent of structured settlements as they protect the long-term interests of people with disabilities. Why don't you tell us a little bit about Alan and uh, what he meant to you and, 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 the, and the organization?
2: Well, Alan was one of the most dynamic individuals I think I ever met. Um, totally charming. He could. Uh, nobody ever leaves the employment of NOD. I, I, I can tell you that. <laughs> uh, he keeps everybody close, whether they're current or former employees, and uh, he really had a way of of uh, leveraging uh, the small organization that we are into um, tackling some very large scale projects. Um, I know structured settlements was uh, a particularly um, uh, appealing concept, Alan, and he was on board with with all of the NSSTA folks right from the get go. Um, but he is—he uh, was able to uh, bring a, a statue of FDR in his wheelchair to the FDR Memorial uh, right. in the nation's capital. I think that's the only national memorial uh, that depicts someone in a, in a wheelchair. Mm-hmm. Um, he certainly. Um, it was a in his youth uh, a star athlete uh, and uh, he was a distinguished uh, military service person. He was a corporate um, management um, expert and uh, became interested in disability issues when he joined that community and uh, threw into that all of his energy and uh, uh, clever uh, ability to, to move that agenda forward in the same way that he did with, with every issue that he touched. His, uh, his wife of over 50 years um, was always his partner, and uh, they were sure a dynamic team, and he is sorely missed not only by us at NOD, but by many, many members of the disability community. And uh, I want to thank NSSTA for having a piece on their website that uh, acknowledges his passing.
1: Well, he was certainly a friend to all of us and uh, inspirational as well. And so have you been uh, today. uh, You know, you've been a wonderful guest. I want to be sure our audience has all the contact information for NOD. Uh, Why don't you tell us about your website and maybe some uh, toll-free numbers and, and other, you know, abilities for people to get in touch with you.
2: Sure. Um, the best ways to reach us, and we, we don't have a toll free number. I wish we did. Mm-hmm. It's one of the things that uh, we're working toward. Uh, hopefully, one of these days we will um, have some additional funding to create that toll free number because we need it.
1: Well, I think we'll, people are willing to pay for it, don't we? Oh, good.
2: It. Well, our, our phone, is, uh, phone line is 202 293 5960. We do have a, a TDD line, although most people use the um, the relay service now uh, mm-hmm. to reach us if they are deaf or hearing impaired. And, of course, our website, www.nod.org, is a wealth of information on all sorts of disability issues. What you can't find there, you can certainly call us, and uh, we're more than glad to help research information for our friends who are part of the NSSTA.
1: Well, that's great. And I notice in your website, the NOD, there's no periods between it there, uh, right?
2: Well, <laughs> That's the fix- way it has to be we'll for the Internet. I know. We'll fix that. Know,
1: Nancy. <laughs> well, thank you very much, Nancy. Uh, and thanks, all of you, for listening. I just want to remind you all, ringlerassociates.com, that's our website. And uh, it's informative and in- interactive and instructive. And for anyone uh, one that wants to know anything more about uh, this national organization of disability, please uh, contact Nancy as well. And so, in the meantime, I want all of you to take care. And in light of today's subject matter, I'd end the program today by saying let's all be grateful for what we have. See you next time on Ringler Radio.
0: Thanks for listening to Ringler Radio. Ringler Associates. Experience counts. Since 1975... Ringler Associates has provided the finest structured settlement services to injured parties and their attorneys. We hope you'll join us for our next program on The Legal Talk Network.